This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Hi, my name is Susie, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Susie. And you know the, the saying that we come for the vanity and we stay for the sanity. Well, I think I'm still here for the vanity because I realize I'm going to stand up because when I sit, all the fat gets squished up. And since I'm a 100-pounder, there's some flesh, and it gets squished up when I sit, so I'd rather stand. <laughs> so you guys can see and maybe hear a little bit better. Um, so I am a compulsive overeater, and I am a century person, and I came to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous at this very meeting um, almost more than two years ago, last, like 2008, I think it was March. And um, I guess it was a point where I was as desperate as I was bound to get, because I, you know, now I'm 46 years old, so I was 45, 40, when I, 44, and um I'd been fat all my life. I mean, I was fat. Oh, there's, there's pictures to prove it. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, I think when I was like five years old, six years old, I started getting chubby and like had to have the uh, had to have the first communion dress made, you know, custom made and a lot of stuff custom made. There's a lot of pictures of dresses in there that are like from weddings and things where I had to have the panel added into the sides and you girls can understand that if you've been through what I've been through and you you know dresses taken apart or band uniforms had to use two to make one and you know just all that humiliation that we go through and apparently that wasn't enough and you know all throughout my life I remember having tried some diets from time to time and they would work a little bit and then I would just lose all of my self-control and I would just give it up and um you know, I think when we talk about what it was like, you know, what, what our histories are, and I know I've sat here before and shared my story and will speak of, you know, somewhat of a, you know, tormented or unhappy childhood and parents that fought all the time and siblings that were too close together in age or whatever. I mean, there's a million different reasons why I could say that I ate, but the reality of the situation is, is that, you know, I was the one in my family who became most morbidly obese. My brother has a little problem with um, with his with food, but I, the other my two sisters don't. So, you know, I mean, we've all had similar childhoods. So, how I don't know if that's really a reason per se. I mean, you know, I've definitely done a lot of work around some of the issues of my childhood, um, but you know, I think ultimately, I just have this disease and. Whether it was from my upbringing, whether it's from genetics, my father, my mother's father was an alcoholic, um, and you know she definitely came up in a in a, a home that was really kind of tormented with ten. You know she's one of ten kids and an alcoholic dad and a mom who just had to deal with ten kids, right, and an alcoholic husband, and so you know so she probably learned some behaviors that she perhaps passed on to us, and you know all these things I see them now that I'm in this program I kind of take a look at it and I wonder, and, but I really you know I, as time goes on, and I've been in the program for over two years, I know I, I'm kind of mellowing out about a lot of that stuff, which is good for me because I think it does help my sanity a little bit more, cause, and also just I guess it makes me not want to have an excuse or a blame, something to blame. It's like, okay, I just can, I can work on it and then I can move on. And, you know, that's, that's a lot. That's what I'm doing. That's what we do here. This is for the newcomers. Welcome. I'm really so excited to see newcomers, especially at this meeting, because I feel like it's a great place to attract newcomers. And the stories that, you know, we hear here are just always so, um, you know, heartfelt and dramatic because this is a century meeting. Um, but, you know, everybody's stories are pretty much the same, whether you've, you know, have, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 100, 200, whatever, you know, weight loss you need, whether you've got issues with bulimia, whether you're anorexic, I mean, we all suffer from the same disease. So, and we just have to work on it a day at a time, and that's what we're doing here. Um, 
So, you know, childhood led to, you know, somewhat unhappy adolescence, you know, issues with boys. I mean, all my girlfriends were having dates with boys. They would all get attention from boys, and I kind of got some attention. But then when push came to shove and, you know, looking for dates or something, it wasn't happening. I never went to prom. I never did any of that stuff, you know. I was a chubby girl. The girls, you know, guys didn't really like back then. And, you know, um, and it definitely did some, you know, it did something to my self-esteem issues that I'm still trying to work out today and um, you know it's just all part of the total picture you know it's part of what makes us who we are it made things uncomfortable and I guess my response for being uncomfortable whether it was with fighting siblings or you know parents who were fighting with each other um, difficulties at school difficulties with physical issues I had a trauma when I was three years old where you know I had an, an accident with my foot and you know it really was traumatic and I had to learn to walk all over again and you know I kind of think that that kind of prevented me from being a little bit more of an active kid but you know all of those uncomfortable things led me to want to eat I guess and I ate and I can I have very vivid memories of coming home and standing in front of cupboards and figuring out what else can I put with the peanut butter <laughs> oh look here's this oh mom's got this unsweetened chocolate well if I cover it with the peanut butter and maybe there's some sugar on there you know mm. <laughs> Sorry, I, you know, some meetings they say we don't, we shouldn't uh, mention specific foods, and this one isn't like that, but actually I should watch it, because I know I've heard some things that just kind of stick in my head when I, from other people, so that'll be the last food I mention. <laughs> um, God. So, um, I went off to college, and I went to college in the 80s, and, you know, we all were kind of punky and a little hardcore, and I had my hair cut really short, and I kind of had this, like, just, you know, feminist point of view, and I guess that was where I sort of adopted the mentality of like, you know, I'm fat, just fuck you, who cares, you know, I'm fat. I mean, there was a point where I lost some weight, but then, you know, and I, I had a boyfriend, I moved to San Francisco, but then I just, it quickly came back on again, and I, you know, I never really tried, I think, after that point to really seriously lose weight. I mean, there were a couple things that I looked into, but I didn't, and, you know, who knows why that happened. I mean, I just, all I know is that I continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger until I reached, I was 313 pounds was my highest weight, and that was like back in 2000, and I remember I was in a job that I was pretty miserable in, and I used to, I was, oh, and I was flying all over the world, and imagine, like, my, my ass did not fit in that seat, I squished that, and then, you know, we sat in business class, and like, the seats seemed to be a little bit narrower, because they had these, like, nice little armrests, and, you know, I was hoping to God that I wouldn't be sitting next to any of my coworkers if I ever had to ask for the seatbelt extender, or else I wouldn't even ask for it all. I would just hide and not, and hope nobody would realize that I'm like so big I can't even fit into it. But I was traveling all over the world that big, and it was not fun. And um, but I was eating my way through the world, which was fun then. I enjoyed that, but uh, oh well, those days are over. So um, on many levels, um, and. I, I, so I, what happened at my high point, and I'm sorry, I know a lot of you guys have heard this before, and it's kind of redundant, but I had um, sat on a chair, and it broke, and I fell back, and it crashed on my shoulder, and I tore my rotator cuff, and step, you know, we, we talk about our insanity and our diseases, and of course, you know, the, it was obvious physically to see the insanity that I had around food, because I was 313 pounds, but I had a lot of other manifestations of my insanity and one of those is that I didn't deal with the fact that I had torn my rotator cuff I mean my arm was like you know barely I could barely touch it. I would like pick it up and like to wash and you know it's I mean this went on for months and I finally dealt with it and I had to have surgery and the doctor 
you know, she was kind of nonchalant. She said, well, you're over 300 pounds and I can't operate on you over here at CPMC California, so, but I'll take you at Davies, like thinking it's a big deal. And I'm like horrified that, oh my God, like somebody's not gonna operate on me because I'm over 300 pounds. That means I could die. And um, so that's when I went into a commercial weight loss program. And I remember like being in my little sling and you know, for like six weeks or whatever, and I was trudging back and forth every week to those meetings getting my little chips and you know five pounds here and five pounds there and it was coming off fast and I lost 50 pounds pretty rapidly and it was you know I'm like this is easy I can do this why did I never do this before you know and then 50 pounds it stopped mm -hmm. and um, I would go out and eat what I wanted I would gain weight 20 pounds back and then I'd go back in and I would lose another 20 and then I couldn't do it anymore I mean it was this repeated cycle of this like I don't know, I couldn't even, I just couldn't even fathom, like, what the hell is wrong with me? I know exactly what it takes to do it. All I have to do is write this food down. All I have to do is monitor this. All I have to do is this, this, and this, and it'll come off. And I could not do it. I couldn't. I was in and out of that program probably 10 times, at least. And I was, like, there was a point where I was continuously paying, and it was just coming out of my checking account, because I was just paying. And, like, I'm, no, I'm not going to give that up. Even if I'm not going, I'll go back next week. Next week hardly ever happened. I mean, it did happen, but then it would stop again. And... I was a mess. And so I finally, um, I had known about OA because of my aunt and, you know, my grandfather having been an AA, my aunt was always saying, you know, you can go to OA Preachers Anonymous. It's like what granddad does with alcohol and only food. And I would just, I mean, she's my favorite aunt and my mom's only 10 kids. So she's my favorite of all of them. And, you know, and I was still hating her when she told me this. I and mean, of course she said it out of love, but I didn't want to hear it. And finally somebody said it and I was willing to hear it. Finally, at that point in my life, I'm like, you know, I really do need to do something different. I had another friend who's in, program, in, a pro, in another program, and he always used to say to me, insanity is doing the same things over and over again, expecting, you know, different results. And we've all heard that one, I think. If you haven't, it's a good one. <laughs> and it's so true. And I remember, it's like, oh, he's so right. I have to do this. And so I did it. And I came, and I'm like, I can't believe I was struck on that first day. I was struck what I call abstinent because I defined my abstinence in that first meeting, three meals a day. And, you know, I didn't give up specific foods then. I heard all of you guys had said you'd given up things that I was unwilling to want to give up right then. And I, you know, was, I would cry thinking that, you know, you know, you're not eating flour, you're not eating bread, you're not eating, you know. I, you know, so it took me a while. And I think by August of that year, I was able to give up eating sugar. And it was my birthday, my birthday's in August, and I was working at a place that um, some of my friends worked there. And it was, I, my first day was gonna be on my birthday for some odd reason. And so I came in, and what happened at three o'clock? Come on downstairs, we got something, you know, there's something going on downstairs, come on downstairs. And sure enough, it's cake. Sorry, I mentioned another food. So it's, it's the thing with candles in it. <laughs> and, um, and I had, like, the way that I had done it with, my, with um, my sponsor at that time was that I said, I'm not going to, like, I'll, you know, if I have sugar, it's going to be plant sugar. And I did that. And it seemed to kind of work for me. Only I just knew, like, if I planned on having a little square of chocolate at 3 o'clock, I'm like, is it 3? Is it 3? Is it 3? <laughs> you know? Um, but so that day, I knew it was my birthday, but I didn't have a plan to go out with my friends that night. We were going to go out, like, the next day or the weekend or something. So I didn't put it on my plan. And so I said, well, I can't really have cake because it's not on my plan. And I started in my head thinking, well, maybe I could do it this once. And I just, like, for some reason, something came through me and said, 
no thanks, I don't need that. And everyone's just like, okay. And then they just moved on and they gave it to everybody else. And nobody really cared. And it, there was something about, like, I think there was a Seinfeld episode where, you know, Elaine gets addicted to the cakes at 3 o'clock. And that kind of went through my head. And I knew that if I said no then, that I could say no in the future. I don't know. These are the things that go through the mind of a crazy person. So, and I'm a crazy person. But, you know, and it did. It really did give me the strength to not have to, like, deal with that ever again. Because once you do it... You know, they just have to have a little bit. You know, if I have never done it, and I have never eaten anything like that in front of those people at that workplace, they, you know, they don't ask me anymore. It's no big deal. And nobody really says, maybe some new people come in, oh, you can have a little bit. And I'm just like, no, I don't need it. Just don't need it. Some people who I like and I care about and know me, I explain it to them. I just say, I'm like an alcoholic when it comes to sugar. And, you know, I can't just have a little bit. And a little bit's going to lead me to, you know, in the gutter with a cake box in my head or something, you know. So, you know, humor helps. Humor does help, I think, in these kind of situations. So, um, so that was sort of how I kind of got into these rooms and a little bit of my journey along the way. I didn't really talk a bit about, like, other things that happened. When I came into program, one of the first things I did was that I took service positions. I took a tea position at the Lifeboat meeting. And that got me there every week, and it was great. People could depend on me. I'm a social person anyway, so that was good for me to get socialized. And, but Friday, that meeting is also on a Friday night, and Friday was definitely a common time that I would go home and close my curtains, and it'd be a shitty, you know, work week, and you know, close everything out and just eat my whatever it was that I would order in or had brought home or whatever. And um, Friday night was a good night to get out. And a lot of people had said that I heard that in the meeting, so I thought I'll go to that meeting. That'll be one of my regular meetings. I need to breathe. Okay. Um, so I did service. I got a sponsor very quickly, and I really think that's really, really important. And, you know, keep asking people. And I know, because I've had people ask me, and I'm, you know, sometimes not free, and I really want to be the type of person who will always say, yes, I'll just sponsor whoever asks me. But I want to do it in a mindful way, too. So I would recommend, if you're having trouble finding a sponsor, just keep asking. Just keep asking. And look for the people who put their hands up. And sometimes just look for people who've heard something that you like and just go to them anyway, because a lot of people, we're all kind of afraid to put our hands up. But I think if we get approached and, you know, somebody talk to us, like I tend to say, I don't know if I can sponsor, but you know, you can call me. Call me. And then that ends up leading to sponsorship. So, you know, I guess we kind of help ourselves to sort of become more social, because a lot of us have these issues, you know. Um, so, and I went to a lot of meetings. And this meeting continues to be one of my regular meetings. I don't go to as many as I used to. I think I used to go to like five meetings a day. And at that time, when I first came into program, I was unemployed for a bit. And so I definitely needed to come to meetings because I remember even just the absence that meant three meals a day, it, I stopped a very different way of living. I was grazing all day. I didn't realize. I thought, well, I can do three meals a day. That's no big deal. It was a big deal. It was a big, big deal. And I remember feeling raw as I could possibly feel. I, you know, I don't know. And it wasn't even like I gave up. I didn't even give up a substance then. I just gave up eating continuously, which is what I wanted to do, you know, all day long. And it was hard. It was hard. And those feelings have really come back to me recently. And, you know, I'm remembering clearly how it felt because I'm going through it right now. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm always like to say that I, I love to hear the upbeat shares and I, somebody asked me to share and I was a little bit reluctant. I recently lost my father and this was like three weeks ago and it was very unexpected and it's been really difficult and I'm grieving like tremendously and I, I really feel like that grief is manifesting itself the same way like when I gave up my substance 
which was my food. And that feeling of being raw and everything feeling so difficult has come back again. And I guess the difference is that I know that I can get through it because it was difficult then and I didn't think I could get through it and I just kept coming to meetings, but now I know that I can get through it. And I know I have moments of being sad and uh, it's, you know, it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm a person who can actually handle these things now. And if this had been three years ago when my father passed away, I don't know what I would have been like. I think I would have been a mess. I think I said to somebody once, like an empty shell of a person because you know, I didn't address anything. I wouldn't have probably had the relationship that I had with my dad. I mean, our, you know, growing up was tough, as I mentioned. He was not the kind of guy who was going to be jostling on your knee and tickling you and stuff like that. I mean, he was a Greek man who was just kind of, you know, kept his emotions inside and knew that his job was to put dinner on the table, and he did that, you know. And um, so um, I grew up with some resentments around my dad. And, you know, also kind of clouded resentments with my mom who was unhappy with him and kind of, you know, had let me look at him in a way that she looked at him. And, you know, it wasn't, didn't help me much as an adult. I was able to grow past that. And I was really able to kind of develop a relationship with him. And, and then in the past three years, even have conversations with him that I never would have imagined that I'd had. So I am so grateful for this program, just for what I'm going through right now, because it's made me a different person a person who can actually deal with these kind of things. And I can deal with them in a way that doesn't require me standing in front of the refrigerator, you know, 18 hours out of the day. And um, I'm really grateful for that. So, you know, I have to watch. I definitely have to continuously watch. And I see little things that are creeping up and problems with nuts. You know, I'm kind of embarrassingly say this because I think I've stood up here before several times and said, nuts give me a little bit of a problem. I'm going to have to look at that someday. And I've looked at it from time to time and I say they're going to go and then they kind of creep back in. Nuts. And once a friend of mine was having, said she was having problems with nuts. And I'm like, well, why do you think they call them nuts? <laughs> and, you know, it's like, and I guess I was admitting that I had that kind of problem with them then. And, you know, now it's like, oh, God, that's right. So, yeah, but, you know, one day at a time, and I'm, you know, I may not be perfect, but I'm happy with what my abstinence looks like right now. You know, I have to look at other things. I know that I want to run. I know that I want to run from feelings and feeling the feelings, and standing up here crying is not feel comfortable whatsoever, and, you know, and I have all kinds of things that are going on in my life. You know, I'm a single woman. I, you know, had a relationship with somebody for you know, quite some time, and that ended last year, and I've been, you know, I've been dating, and I can definitely let myself get all into the internet dating stuff, and spend all kinds of time online, and chatting, and, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I want to do to distract myself. I'll go out to lunch with friends, I'll do this, I'll do that. I mean, I definitely have been doing some running lately, and I know I have not been doing the writing, and I just talked to a couple people about this, and I've been saying it for about two weeks now, and I haven't been able to sit down to write, to write which is a really important tool of our program. And I'm trying to be just cut myself some slack and know that when I need to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, I write to my sponsor most nights. Sometimes it's much more lengthy and heartfelt, and sometimes it's a little quick, little blurb, but I like to kind of write a little bit. It's like a little tenth step or, you know, a recap of the day. And, you know, that really does get me thinking about a lot of things, and I'm really glad to do that. And when I write that email, then I also write my food in for the next day. And, I mean, that to me is the crux of what this program is about, is that we have a plan. Everybody comes in and wants to know, not everybody, a lot of people, when I've done newcomer meetings, you know, the, the biggest question is like, what am I supposed to eat? What can I eat? What can I eat? And I say, you know, it's not so much about what you eat. 
is about what's your plan for what you're going to eat. And ultimately, you know, yes, it, you know, there are, there's a belief that we all have the addiction and the allergy to sugars and um, grains. Um, and that's definitely a very, you know, popular um, thought in, in these rooms. But I do think that there's something to be said about the fact that we need to have a plan. Because my whole life was about not, that's 20 minutes already? Five? Oh, wow, okay. You know, my whole life was about not planning what I ate. It was whatever was in front of me. I remember I would eat the fastest thing that I could get on, into my mouth. And while I'm cooking something, I had to have some other plan going on. I mean, that's like the epitome of no plan. And so now, like, having a plan is actually being mindful about what's going in here. Um, so that's, that's what I do today. I mean, I think that's a really important part of it. Having a sponsor is a really important part of it. Having sponsees is really important. And I have... Sponsees and I'm taking through the steps, and I have one sponsee who's like on the nipping at my heels of my steps. <laughs> and in fact, it's been really helpful for me because I can see a different way of doing the steps and looking at things differently. I just went over and read somebody's um, or listened to somebody read their eighth step, and you know, I just finished that one not too long ago. And, and she answered a question in a way that I'm like, oh my god, that's exactly what it's about. The eighth step is really about. Not so much like all the stuff that we have to say that we're sorry for, but it's like why, like why do we form these relationships, these patterns in our relationships that cause us to need to make these apologies? You know, we've all done things that we need to say we're sorry for, but really, it's like I know I need to take a look at like why do I keep getting myself into these same patterns so that I need, you know, I don't want to keep apologizing. I want to not do these things ever mm -hmm. again. So, I mean, that was really amazing. I just heard that. I mean, I kind of knew it when I did it, but when I heard her read her thing, it's like it sunk in. So, I mean, that's that's my pitch for sponsorship. You know, we need to have more sponsors in these rooms. Um, um, I do writing. Um, I read literature. Oh, I was going to bring the for today. I really like for today. Does anybody have it here? Bring it in this here. So it's, yeah, I thought I'd put it in this bag, but it was really about, I need to pray. Well, you don't have to get it, Sarah. That's okay. You can, you know what? You can read it later and buy a book for yourself if you want. No, but it was really just about like, I need to ask, or I need to pray every day just in, thank, in being thankful mode. Because I went to that book today. I don't go to it every single day. And today it's like, I really need some extra help. I need some help around jealousy issues. I need some help around this resentment. I need help, of course, around my grief. And so I went to that book hoping like I get the answer. And the answer was like, you know, you need to ask for help every day. You need to ask for help. And when you're having a great day, you know, not just when you're having a bad day. So that really re resonated with me. I love the For Today book. It's amazing. The big book is fantastic. The big book is really the Bible of this program. There's a good meeting on Sunday morning that's been growing and really is, is amazing. Just start at the beginning of it. So I'm going to pitch for that too. But um, anyway, I guess that's going to be it. Thanks for letting me share.